Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, it's official. Rebel News has been completely demonetized by YouTube, and now there's a Silicon Valley sort of Damocles dangling over our heads, given that this woke tech giant might deplatform us altogether. As for our crime, well, we're not marching in lockstep with the leftist media. In other words, we're not pro-big government, we're not pro-lockdown, we're not pro-cancel culture. Rebel Commander Ezra Levant will drop by with all the unbelievable details. And Drea Humphrey has an update on CD, who's now languishing in jail in BC, for committing a misgendering crime? In other words, this father refers to his biological female child as a girl. Shockers. And he refers to her by her given birth name too. Double shockers. But that makes him an enemy of the state apparently. Oh, and the judge would rather that you don't know the sort of details about this case because, yeah, you guessed it folks, there's a publication ban. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about a man who had re-entered Canada via land, not air, but was nevertheless sent to one of those horrific quarantine hotels. And I do not exaggerate when I reference horror. This particular inmate, I mean guest, has a severe seafood allergy. So what did the Red Cross serve him? Yep, seafood. A meal that could have sent him into anaphylactic shock. Can it get any worse than that? Those are your Rebels, now let's round them up. Last night at 5.30 p.m. I received this letter from YouTube. They're cutting off Rebel News. They're completely canceling all remaining ads on our channel, even from advertisers who specifically request our channel. And worse, they're banning our 1.45 million YouTube subscribers from voluntarily paying us through what are called live stream super chats. This is going to cost us about 
$100,000 a year. We've got three choices, really. If we stop criticizing the lockdown, they say we can reapply in 30 days and possibly get our ads back. But we would have to stop saying what we say. We have to say what they want us to say. Or we could gut our company, cut out $400,000 a year in costs. We've just hired great new folks, new reporters, editors. We've done so much great civil liberties work. Cutting $400,000 a year means probably cutting seven staff. I think that's really what YouTube wants us to do. Which of those would you choose? Change our editorial viewpoint? Or cut $400,000 from our payroll? Me? I'll do neither, thank you. I've got a plan. We're going to get through this. We're not going to be just like the CBC or CNN. We're not going to parrot the left. We're not going to cut our staff. I have a plan. Stay with me, and I'll tell you about it. Or if you can't wait, just go to afteryoutube.com, and it's all right there. I need your help to survive this. I think YouTube is ramping up. To be honest, I think their next step will be to suspend our channel altogether, just to delete us. I really don't know how long we've got left on YouTube at all, but I do have a plan, and you can see it at afteryoutube.com. It's a simple plan, and today we started to implement it. Frankly, we were expecting something like this, we started putting things in motion months ago. But just quickly, before I get to the plan, you might think that maybe we did something wrong. YouTube has a three strikes and you're out policy for inappropriate videos. I should tell you, we have zero strikes. We've published more than 15,000 videos on YouTube, and we've never violated their terms of service. So there you have it, folks. Much like the game of baseball, YouTube has a policy of three strikes and you're out. But after publishing some 15,000 videos, Rebel News has zero strikes, yet we are completely demonetized now? Why? Well, unlike baseball, the umpire that is YouTube is allowed to change the rules in the bottom of the ninth inning. So guess what, sports fans? Rebel News is being told that to hit the showers, basically, because the new rule is zero strikes and you're out. Well, at least that is the new rule if you are a news organization that is not woke, politically correct, and pro-lockdown. And to borrow another reference from the unforgiving world of hardball, say it ain't so, Ezra Levant, say it ain't so. Yeah, it was out of the blue. It was out of nowhere. I mean, um, I keep an eye on things because I'm aware that we're constantly being hunted by censors and deplatformers. I think we double-check our work. We often have lawyers review our work. I think we probably take more care than, than most media because we feel like we're being scrutinized harder than most media. And I think that's great. It makes our quality even better. So when I got the email out of the blue from YouTube, I immediately called our rep. We have a strategic partner manager over there. And I said, well, can, can I see what was the video that got us into trouble? Maybe we'll fix it. Maybe we'll delete it, frankly. She said, oh, no. No, there's no particular video. And I checked because we have a special email that we're given notices of problems and nothing new there. So if, there, if there's nothing wrong, I said, well, can we appeal? And she said, no. 
I said, well, can you at least point me in some direction? And she pointed me to the harmful and dangerous acts category, yes. which is for things like, like extreme sports, like cliff diving or, do you know, parkour when you, where you're hopping around a cityscape with no harness and it's nerve wracking <laughs> or, or fail compilations or pranks. We don't do any of that. Don't do any of it. And there's this one line in there about giving out homemade remedies for cancer or denying that AIDS or COVID-19 exist. And we don't deny that no. COVID-19 exists. We just have a different point of view about the right political response to it. So we've clearly broken no rule. She confirmed we broke no rule. So there's no thing to appeal. Yeah. This is a pure attack on free speech. And over time, we had built back up. I mean, YouTube demonetized all conservative pages uh, after Trump won in yes. early 2017. But we built it back up through something called Super Chats, which our viewers chip in a few bucks. And we were getting it up to respectable numbers, about 30 grand a month or about 400 grand a year. That's a lot of money. That covers five, six, seven salaries around here. And all of a sudden, bam, it's just punched right out of our system. And not only is it a $400,000 loss, and I say again, we didn't do anything wrong, but I'm worried it's a precursor to the next step, which is just delete the page. And we have 1.45 million subscribers on yeah. YouTube, and they all want what we're offering. Yeah. We want to give it to them, but YouTube, they don't care. As I said to our rep, if you're willing to suspend Donald Trump, you're surely willing to suspend some Canadian news channel. But, you know, speaking of Donald Trump, I, I agree. Going back to 2016, Ezra, that was a shock to the left. Uh, that was the asteroid dinosaur <laughs> event, if you will. I mean, before Trump was Brexit was another shock. But, you know, that was across the pound over there. And then that's when they had this jihad against uh, right-leaning uh, commentators and websites and what have you. But here's the thing. Their man Biden is now in the White House. Trump is gone. I, you would think that they would, you know, you know, take their foot off the accelerator as opposed to continually uh, driving it. Or is this all about intimidation, submission, and complete control? Well, I think uh, the modern left never stops. When they have a win, that's the new front line for the mm. next move. And so Biden winning, that's not it. That's okay. What's next? What do we want that's next? And I mean, you can see that just to pull an example out of the air, the gay rights movement, yeah. gay marriage, gay adoption, that's all achieved. Yep. So now it's transgender. Right. That's the, I mean, instead of taking a victory lap and saying, guys, you did it. Or yeah. same thing with race relations. Yeah. I mean, black president, black people, visible minorities in high office in Canada, in the United States, in business, in sports and entertainment, well, it's not enough to have equality. We need woke, you know, inherent racism, self-denunciations, whatever. The left never stops. Yeah. The left, and the left never says we've had a victory. This is where we want to be. No, no, no. That's their new jumping off point. So demonetizing us, the next step will be deplatforming us altogether. Trump losing, that's just the beginning of the great new world for them. Mm. And I, I said to our rep, I said, look, this is so obvious because we don't share the worldview of Google and YouTube, which are headquartered in Silicon Valley, the most left-wing place in America. This is so clearly what it is. We don't do anything illegal. 15,000 videos, we've never broken a term of our terms of service. Um, they can't point to any video. Like they're, they're not even hiding it, David. Yeah. And I suppose 
it's obvious by now, but no one in the media party cares. No, no. no. And I, I get it, we jab at them hard, me yeah. in particular. But just a week ago, we discovered the U.S. Navy yes. and the Canadian Armed Forces both hired the same Arkansas-based defense contractor yeah. to smear us. They whipped up a cyber forensic report, just a bunch of BS. And I, part of me is thinking, gee, I wonder if they gave that BS dossier about us to YouTube and said, oh, you better shut them down. Could be. You know, Ezra, I just can't get it out of my mind that how a few years ago, when we got messages from YouTube, they were good messages. I'm thinking of our boardroom. We have a, a, a silver plaque congratulating us on half a million viewers, and they sent us an even bigger golden-hued plaque congratulating us on one million viewers. So it would seem that they were happy with our success. My question to you, Ezra, I don't know if it'll ever get answered. I mean, I've met our U.S. rep. She's a delightful lady. I know she's not the assassin here. But who is the unspoken assassin? Who is the person or persons that said, that's it for Rebel News in terms of them getting any money at all? Well, that's the thing. It, at least when the government comes to censor us, we see them coming. Uh, they give us a, a legal prosecution. We have our day in court. We get disclosure. We know what the rules are, the, the procedure. We can appeal. Uh, and we have time to marshal our case. None of that happens when censorship is outsourced to mm. big tech. Mm. And what I think we've seen in the last five, 10 years is the merger between big government and big tech. And now you still have governments doing censorship, but let's say you're Justin Trudeau and he despises rebel news. He, yes. and, and by the way, you know, fair game, we criticize him, yeah. but which is he gonna do? Is he going to, like he sent a couple of his election commissioners to harass me because oh. I wrote a book called The Lebranos. So we got a $3,000 fine, but I'm not worried. I'm not going to prison. I can fight, I can appeal. The whole thing's gonna take years. We're gonna come out ahead. I know we will. Go, go to a real court, real judges. Okay, so that's one approach. Justin Trudeau could use the government to censor us. Might not work. Or, Maybe if there's a close collusion between big tech and big government, yeah. there's, there's no lawsuit, there's no allegation, there's no complaint, there's no hearing, there's no disclosure, there's no appeal. It's a phone call or an email. Hey, can you shut them down? You bet, boss. How would we ever know? Like I say, we didn't do anything wrong, so what went wrong? We won't know, was it the US Navy? Was it the Canadian Armed Forces? Was it Justin Trudeau? Was it someone within the belly of the beast of Google who just didn't like us? I have no idea, and that's the problem when companies like Google, which are really as large as countries yeah. by many measures, when they have, are all powerful, and the guys at the top start to get a god complex, whether it's Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos yes. or um, the folks at the top of YouTube and Google, uh, the, the guy at the top of Twitter, he really thinks he's Rasputin. I mean, even <laughs> he's got their whole beard <laughs> got going the look. up. So when people are worth, worth, uh, Bill Gates, you know, 50, 100, 200 billion dollars, these guys, yeah. they start to think of themselves as gods because everyone around them uh, does their bidding. They just walk into a room and the seas part. And um, they start to think of people as ants in an ant colony. And when politicians get that way, we can hold them to account. We can fire them. You can take down the greatest man in a democracy in a vote. Well, you can't do that with Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, or, or the likes.
Well, I think they're going to find out that what, in terms of the ant community, we're army ants here at Rebel. Yeah. Uh, you know, but what really galls me, Ezra, is the fact that we go back 10 years ago to the infancy of Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. And back then, they advertised themselves as like the Wild West of freedom. Yeah. And come one, come all, we, not, yeah. we want your free content. Yeah. And boy, did they get it. And then they got to a critical mass. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, it was... Um, you, 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 and you out of the tent. We don't yeah. agree with you. Yeah. That's what bothers me. But I guess we can't cry over spilt milk. Let's end it with this. Our future, obviously there is no future with YouTube. Um, where are we going from here? Well, we are uh, setting up accounts with a bunch of other alternatives to YouTube. DLive, Twitch, Odyssey, Rumble, just to name a few. Now, many of them are obscure. And altogether, they're not even 1% as big as YouTube. Let's not kid ourselves. YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. It's the largest video platform in the world. And we will just not be able to replace it. But we can uh, get into the lifeboats, the 10 of them. And one thing I really want to do is the 1.45 million subscribers through YouTube. I want to get their names and email addresses. Because if YouTube shut us down, I'd never be able to talk to those people right. again. So that's why we've encouraged everyone to go to afteryoutube.com. Yes. Afteryoutube.com. We ask people to do three things. The most important is, hey, can you tell us your name and email address? Because YouTube won't give us that info. Mm. That's one of the ways they hold power over creators. They yeah. never tell, they sell subscriptions, they sell ads, but they never tell us the details. Hmm. So number one, go to afteryoutube.com and give us your name and address. We'll, you can unsubscribe anytime. We'll never sell it to someone else. Number two, Sign up to one of our accounts on these alternatives, Rumble, Twitch, places like that. And number three, if you can, $400,000 kicked out of our company. That's over the course of a year. I mean, we make around 30 grand a month. That's a lot of money. And I don't want to bend the knee to comply. And I don't want to lay off anyone because we're just doing so great these days. So I've asked our viewers to help us out again uh, through crowdfunding. And I know people say, oh, you're always crowdfunding. Well, I think it's a more honest way to live than the alternative. Oh, yeah. Because I see four ways to be in the media these days. Number one, be independently rich. Okay, well, that, <laughs> that's not us. Uh, number two, ask for money from Justin Trudeau. Yeah. And that's what about 99% of Canadian media does. Number three, be part of a corporate VC, woke capital, you know, BuzzFeed, that's where they get their money. Vice, that's where they get their money. Left-wing investors, big corporate, but you better not color outside the lines. Well, that's not us. Yeah. So what's left? If I'm not a gazillionaire, if we're not going to take Trudeau money, if we're not going to get woke capital, well, what's left? Exactly. Well, our viewers are what's left. And I think it's a far more honest way to do journalism, to look into the camera and say, folks, if you like what you're seeing, please chip in a few bucks. You can do that right there at afteryoutube.com. And last I checked, we were close to $100,000 already. Fantastic. Uh, of the $400,000 goal. And by the way, what I like is we, we do our stuff you know, even though about 99% of our people don't give, I don't mind because I want them to hear the message. And I'm grateful, very grateful, the 1% who do give. Um, you know, I'm not even going to call those other 99% free riders because I really want to talk to them. And it takes a while to, to get used to us, to get to know us, to get to like us. And not everybody has spare change. But over time, people see us casually, then they make a point of seeing us, and then they maybe even get involved. Maybe they sign a petition. Maybe they need help. Through Fight the Fines, we've helped over 600 people. Maybe they want to give help through Fight the Fines. We've, maybe there's some way that people can get involved with us. So over, that's what I've liked about YouTube. Over time, it takes people from 
zero miles an hour, and then five, and then 10, and then, you know, if people watch us enough, they really get drawn in to the whole rebel approach. So that's why I don't want to lose YouTube, even though we've already lost the ad money. There's 1.45 million people out there that I want them to stay in touch with us, and I hope that we will as long as possible. But I'm, I'm not kidding myself. One day that'll be cut off too. Well, 100%. I um, share your confidence, Ezra, that we're going to come out of this smelling like a rose. And the reason is, folks, is because of you. You are so generous. You are so loyal. And we are going to come out of this even stronger than ever. Because you're seeing right now, as Ezra said, big government and big tech coming together, forming cancel culture. You know, George L. Orwell, he had the right narrative. He was just off by about 37 years. Should have entitled his book 2021. That's what we're living through right now, a real life 1984. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. here with Rebel News standing in front of the Vancouver Law Courts again. We are going to hear what is to happen to the man who has no face, no name and no voice due to publication bans and other restrictions that have been placed upon him. Justice Taman will be ruling on whether or not CD has to remain in jail until his trial next month or if he's going to be out here getting interviewed by us at Rebel News. You can catch the full report on the first uh, day on this, the hearing that just took place a few days ago at rebelnews.com. If you haven't already caught that, just a brief explanation of what's happened here is CD has been accused of breaching a publication ban and in particular on a funding page to help with his legal fees for the stand that he has been taken to warn parents about how powerless Canadians are when it comes to having concerns about your child receiving treatment to transition if you don't think that is the right thing for your child. And one thing in particular was on the GoFundMe page, there were allegations made that CD had his full name as well as a photo on there of himself and also linked to some other articles, including a report that allegedly included a certificate with his child's full birth name on it. So we're going to go into the courthouse today and see what happens. He's not getting out. This is insane. CD will remain in jail at least until mid next month when his trial is to be heard. Justice Taman did point out that a big factor in his ruling today is the fact that between the time CD's warrant was issued and the time that they allowed him to come and surrender during court earlier this week, that the photo of CD and the name of CD was not taken down. Apparently that was a big factor in the ruling today. Now, also, apparently, the Crown brought forth new information that Justice Taman says was not part of his consideration, but he did want to express a clear warning to CD, which was that apparently there was another report done out of U.S. Now, the, the publication ban does not apply to journalists in the U.S., um, but allegedly there is some information private medical information of the child and the full name and of course these doctors that go around transitioning children all the time but for some reason don't want people to know about it that was disclosed in those reports and Justice Taman said 
CD will have to remain in jail, but get this, if CD does not do absolutely everything in his power to have that report taken down from another country, from behind bars, then come his trial, if that report is still up, it will weigh heavily on how long or how severely CD will be punished. Well, there you have it, folks. CD were actually legally forbidden from using his real name. Well, he continues to languish behind bars. And for what exactly? For exercising his right to free speech? For speaking the truth? Well, yes, because apparently when it comes to British Columbia Judge Francesca Marzari, free speech and telling the truth are crimes against humanity if such chatter is politically incorrect and offensive to the lunatic fringe. And just what was CD's speech crime in the first place, folks? Well, if you can believe it, he uses female pronouns when it comes to refer me, referring to his biologically female child. Yes, a child, a girl who now identifies as a transgender boy. In fact, he's even forbidden from using his daughter's birth name. Wow. And joining me now from Vancouver is Drea Humphrey. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Drea. Thanks for having me. You know, Drea, it's a pleasure, but I find this case downright chilling. Just for voicing a politically incorrect opinion, this father languishes in jail. It's like we have witnessed the cancellation of a real-life living person because this father effectively has no name, he has no face, he has no voice. It's as if he's now going through life as the invisible man with a case of laryngitis. How, oh how, Drea, did CD get into this predicament in the first place? I honestly don't think anybody knows, like his own lawyer, himself. Uh, it's quite shocking, and I think that's why it's getting national attention. There is a father sitting in jail due to the language uh, you know, normal language uh, that's just expressing the ordeal that he's gone through. And it's uh, it's quite alarming. And it also speaks to what I think is a bit of an emerging trend these days, Adrea, and it's a disturbing trend simply because of the age. Look, when it comes to transgenderism, I mean, if you're an adult, if you're a woman who wants to go through life as a male, a guy who wants to go out through with a, as a female, you can put on the opposite clothes, you can get the operation on your genitalia, yada, yada, yada. Hey, listen, it's your life, dude or gal, do what you want with it. But when it comes to children, putting them through a transitional process, I think this is grotesque. I think it's irresponsible. We have age limits for children, for, for everything from lottery tickets and firearms, for the right to vote, uh, and, you know, and to buy cigarettes. Why is there this impetus in certain camps, Drea, to get young people, non-adults, becoming transgendered individuals in the first place? Well, this is the conversation that we need to have, but it's being suppressed in many ways. A lot of parents who feel like their child is experiencing rapid onset gender dysphoria, meaning it's not that they had this history of feeling like they were in the wrong body, it's just all of a sudden, are definitely attributing it to some of the curriculums that's in British Columbia and Alberta and spreading across the country, the SOGI 123 sexual orientation curriculum and some of the tools that are used in there under the let's be tolerant, but instead 
um, some of the parents are feeling as though it's sort of glamorizing um, being a transgender and for certain children who are vulnerable or not fitting in or going through a hard time, uh, they're kind of attracted to that. And so instead of some of the other issues going on in their head being addressed, it's almost uh, to some of the parents sort of like a trend. So when we start actually transitioning these kids um, as though they have gender dysphoria and not rapid onset gender dysphoria, what are we going to see happen in a few years? Oh, I agree. And they don't even consider that maybe someone is going through a phase. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I have come across children, you know, females that are tomboys. That's part of the lexicon. You know, they're, yeah. um, they go out, they do masculine things. They like to hang with the guys. Doesn't mean they actually become, you know, want to become a guy. Uh, and in fact, I, I've known some that it, as they blossom later in life, they're lovely, gorgeous ladies. But it's almost as though if you were to exhibit those trends now, the special interest groups are going, uh-huh, Jenny is really Johnny. We've got to get the hormones out. We've got to get the surgery ramped up. I think this is grotesquely irresponsible, Drea. It really is, and it's dangerous. And again, it brings you back to the tools that these children um, from as young as kindergarten are getting that where it's it's basing the gender on their um, what they're attracted to, what toys they want to play, and then they get sort of uh, a spectrum. You might be a boy, you might be a girl, you might be in between, and this is kindergarten. So explaining such a complex thing to a kindergarten, and I always say that, you know, if someone had told me in kindergarten, grade one or grade two, um, for example, that I can be anything I want to be, I'm going to believe that. And sometimes I'm going to act like that. The frontal cortex of the brain is responsible for judgment. It's responsible for reasoning. And it doesn't actually come to complete maturity until the age of 25. So how on earth are we allowing children to make these decisions, especially when in some cases their parent who's known the way they've behaved for so long is opposed to them. And the other thing too that I find alarming about this case, Drea, um, you know, you're right, in the schools, the propaganda, the pro-trans narrative, even at very young uh, ages is just off the charts. Um, And here we have a publication ban when it comes to telling this individual story. I find this troubling because um, not just for this case, Drea, but you know, I've been uh, around the block for a few decades as a journalist and I can tell you publication bans used to be very exceptional, very rare things. Now, my friend, judges are handing them out like candy on Halloween night. What is the rationale for the publication ban? Because As you said earlier, to me, this is all about suppressing the conversation. Yeah, there's definitely something funky going on. I mean, I don't have as many journalist years under my belt, but right away I could see that uh, these publication bans are being used in a way that they're not intended to be used. And that's going to set a new precedent. And it's happening not just in the case with CD. Um, I've reported on another case where a 17-year-old was getting a double mastectomy and the mom found out seven days prior to 
and there's some outrageous publication bans on those. The doctors uh, who are also trans activists are, you know, uh, we don't know. We're not able, the public isn't able to hold them to ethical scrutiny because they don't know much about them. But we should know if uh, doctors are being ethical in these situations. And if they are being ethical, why on earth do they need to hide what they're doing? There is nothing I've ever done with a child or ever will do with a child that needs a publication ban. <laughs> um, and that's why uh, anybody who's watching, please join this fight. There is a father behind bars due to breaching the publication ban. We've hired a top-notch lawyer who's having troubles even accessing Jeez. all of the bans that uh, gag him, gag me, and suppress the information that we're able to give you on this report. So you can go to letusreport.com because this is a tangled web. And please donate what you can to support the uh, basically the challenge to these publication bans. We're trying to have them varied so that, you know, a father doesn't have to be in jail and that we can actually report to you on this huge matter of public interest. Well, Drea, thank you so much. We're going to have to wrap it here. Why do I get the feeling, though, that somewhere in your province right now, Jonathan Jessica Yaniv Simpson is cackling like a witch about this ongoing drama? And if he's happy, that means there's something definitely rotten in the state of Denmark. Drea, thank you again, and uh, you have a great weekend, my friend. You too. Bye, everyone. Take care. And that was Drea Humphrey from Vancouver. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Ma'am, there is a man in this hotel who is being starved. How can Canadian citizens be treated like this? I have no idea. I work for patient transfer. I'm not like into this. Yeah, well, you know what? You almost made him a patient to be transferred to a hospital with anaphylaxis. Asking you to step off their own private property. Sir, we have a person in here with a severe seafood allergy, and he was given a tuna fish sandwich. Okay, I'm just asking you to step off. No, no, I just want to ask you about this. Why this man isn't being fed? Can you, ask, can you answer me that? What's your name? I'm trying to give food to a man. He has a severe seafood allergy. He was given seafood for lunch that could have killed him. And he's been waiting more than seven hours for a replacement meal. He's hungry, so I thought I'd come and give him snacks, drinks, uh, pepperoni pizza here. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Toronto. And folks, I'm standing outside the Toronto Hilton Airport Hotel. This is yet another quarantine hotel that the Justin Trudeau Liberals have inflicted upon the citizenry that are returning to Canada. But will you hear the story of John? That's not his real name. He wants to remain anonymous for now. John flew into the US from Dubai recently and he crossed into Canada on by foot. Now that means he doesn't have to stay at an airport quarantine hotel. But guess what, folks? The authorities changed the rules. They said he does. And also they said they weren't going to recognize the PCR test he had done in Dubai. But why? A PCR test in Dubai is the same as one done in the United States. This doesn't make sense. But the worst part of it is, even at this Hilton, which... I understand is a pretty nice hotel. He has been treated worse 
than an inmate in a maximum security facility. For example, John has a severe seafood uh, allergy. And guess what they served him for lunch today? A tuna fish sandwich and a Caesar salad that had dressing that included anchovies. Um, this is preposterous. The catering, by the way, is being done by the Red Cross. Uh, I thought the Red Cross was all about making people better, not about putting them in the hospital with a case of anaphylaxis. So John has been, when I got off the phone with him, something like seven and a half hours since his lunch replacement came. They haven't given him any hand sanitizer yet either. The guy was starving. And I said, you know what, enough is enough. We're gonna come to this quarantine hotel and do an intervention. And by that folks, I mean, I've got this beautiful pepperoni pizza for him. And I've got a, a swag bag with uh, cashews, energy bars, water, Pepsi, you name it. This is outrageous that this guy has to be put in a quarantine hotel when he followed the rules. He came into Canada by foot, which exempts him from the hotels, but apparently they're just making it up as they go along. So I'm gonna go uh, and see if I can get in the hotel and get John some much needed nourishment. So how do you like them rotten apples? And I do mean rotten apples because you see folks, the Red Cross gave John an apple to tide him over as they got a replacement meal for him. Uh, just one not so insignificant hitch, that apple he was served had a worm in it. Oh, and to add insult to injury, I never did get to make that food delivery. Not only wouldn't the hotel take my care package for John, but they called the police on me who threatened me with a trespassing ticket if I did not leave the premises. What a joke. If anyone was to be arrested that night, how about the uncaring moron who gave John a meal that was essentially a death sentence on a plate? Unbelievable. In any event, you had plenty to say about our ill-fated attempt to deliver John some foodstuffs that would not result in him going into anaphylactic shock. Cuba Bound writes, Anyone else done with the BS yet? Anyone ready to finally stand up? Or do you really think this is about our health? Indeed, Cuba Bound had John eaten that garbage they delivered to him. It could have been fatal. Yeah, so remind me again how this ghastly quarantine hotel program is all about keeping us healthy. Lagulara writes, those who have been locked up in these hotel jails should be seeking to file a class action against the hotels and the Trudeau government, whom I might add are not protected from legal action. Hit them in the pockets. This is a national disgrace. Indeed, my friend, win or lose, this government has to be made accountable for committing crimes against its own citizens. Susan Grimm writes, so not only are people being forced to stay in Trudeau's sexual assault hotels, but they can't even have a pizza delivered. This is beyond disgusting. Oh, it is beyond disgusting, Susan. At least you have suggested a silver lining to this story. Thankfully, John was not sexually molested while staying at this horrific hotel. Jan Kowal writes, this is a madhouse. We all live in horror. Please, we must stop this nonsense ASAP. How long will they play this game? Indeed, Jan, and remember the good old days circa, oh, I don't know, 
2019 when staying at a Hilton hotel was actually an enjoyable experience? And MB writes, Hilton Hotel boycott them forever. Well, you know, MB, I know things are horrible in the travel and tourism industry these days, but I think Hilton made a deal with the devil with regard to the Justin Trudeau Liberals. Sure, this company is making big bucks as part of the quarantine hotel program, but I fear they are sacrificing their brand equity in the process. How sad. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.